0: Good afternoon. Uh, This is Andy Reid from Hudson Valley Community Services. I'm co-hosting a podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking chiefly about PTSD and uh, sexual assault. With me, we have Shakira Williams, who is a prevention specialist with the WSP program. Uh, Pat Ocasio, who is also a prevention specialist with the uh, uh, WSP program. And our guest today is Sarah S. How do you pronounce your last name, Sarah? uh, It's been a while since I said it again. (laughs)
1: It's been a while.
0: Thank you very much. I didn't want to make a mess of that there. Um, Thank you for joining us. Uh, um, Sarah is a behavioural specialist and also teaches uh, psychopathy. I can't even say it. Um, And also statistics which we talked about me failing, not failing, but it uh, was a subject that uh, had a little hand in me not getting a a good score at uh, college. But anyway, moving on, we're going to be talking, as I say, about uh, uh, PTSD and sexual assault. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit uh, or would you like us just to crack on?
1: Um, I can introduce myself a little bit. So, okay, hi you. everybody. <laughs> um, as Andrew said, my name is Sarah Spinoza. I've been working with victims of PTSD for about seven years now. It's also my main focus in my education and my master's program in forensic psychology. Um, so, I, I guess we could just jump right into uh, a little bit about what I wanted to talk about today with uh, sexual assault and, and PTSD. So Within the last decade, there have been a lot of, um, of national studies focusing on women and PTSD with the whole uh, Me Too movement. And it, it looks like about 45%, so about half of women who have reported experiencing a rape or some kind of sexual assault in their lifetime meet the criteria for clinical PTSD. So with this trauma... Of being assaulted, it can leave you feeling scared, feeling angry, feeling guilty, feeling anxious. And then there's also, you know, the stigma of of uh, sexual assault also that comes with this embarrassment and this shame and fear of speaking out and being believed um, that we've seen in our in our nation over the past few years. Um, so these difficulties can lead to uh, immense interpersonal. Um, difficulties, social difficulties, physical, psychological problems that may last for years um, and throughout your life. You could experience nightmares, uh, intrusive thoughts or memories where you're reliving the event that happened. Um, You may feel as you're always on guard or that there's like danger lurking around every corner and and never feel like comfortable in yourself and and where you're going and where you're, where you are. Um, so I know we, uh, Pat and I were talking a little bit uh, last week or a couple weeks ago now about just kind of focusing on acknowledging that the the grieving process and that you are going to grieve, that there is going to be a, a time of grief and a period where um, you're, you're going to grieve this, this event that happened in your life and that that's absolutely normal and part of the process to overcoming it and uh, relying on a lot of external supports, knowing that you're not alone in this. A lot of women experience sexual assault and rape, unfortunately, in in this country and in others. Um, A lot of people go through this. So knowing that you're not alone and really surrounding yourself with women who have gone through this and come out the other side. Um, So just, it's important to know that, you know, you're going to feel like times in your life where you feel really low and really dark and knowing that there's some normalcy on the horizon is is really important.
0: Um, uh, now, Sarah, you mentioned uh, at the beginning when you started speaking about uh, criteria that, that women, I hate to say meet, uh, but, you know, there is a criteria. C- could you speak a little bit about that in terms of what you mean by criteria?
1: Yeah, so... There's clinical criteria for PTSD for um, diagnostic reasons. So we have in psychology, we have our DSM-5, which we use for criteria for any psychopathology. So any kind of disorder you have from schizophrenia to ADHD to PTSD, there are certain criteria that you have to meet to fit clinical diagnosis of PTSD. Um, so this, with this, you have hypervigilance or hypovigilance where you always feel like you're on guard. You jump at any, any like small, um, sound or noise, or if somebody comes at you too fast, you might be, you might have this, uh, this, this reflex, the scary reflex, the startle reflex, um, that occurs at, at a larger level or more often than it would normally, um, You could feel withdrawn from family or having trouble connecting with people on on an emotional level. You could have nightmares. That's also part of the criterion. Uh, So there are um, a lot of clinical, just kind of like check marks for a clinical diagnosis of PTSD, but it, it is possible to experience some or a lot of these symptoms without that also. So a lot of people who don't seek treatment, which is is often the case as well, because there is a lot of shame and embarrassment just in admitting that this is something that you've gone through because of how we've stigmatized it. Um, you you'll, you can feel those things and, and not be seen for treatment also.
0: Now, I, I would like to maybe bring Pat uh, and Shakira <coughs> into the conversation. Do, do, does I, either of you would like to make any comments at this point with regards to what Sarah's <laughs> been...
2: I I wanted to mention, um, you mentioned that not everyone or not every female will be diagnosed. However, do you seem to see that there's a lot of people, um, individuals that will not reach out for services or when they do reach out, they're not as open to receiving those services? So in my
1: experience, uh, unless you have people who are really encouraging you to reach out, or um, even, it, even if you go to the police and, and reach out on a legal level, um, it's more rare to reach out on a psychological one. So unless you have people who you're close to who are really supportive and kind of pushing you to do this, I find it's more difficult for women to, to do that on their own, to reach out for that on their own.
2: Have you um, seen women who have recovered and moved on and have shared their experiences, or do you see that most of them will not share once they receive services or help for their PTSD? So, in my
1: experience, the women who have have gone through this and gotten on the other side of it want to help other women. So, it, so very often I do see people who have gone through therapy and gone through treatment and and. Are really at a good place psychologically. Now they they won't want to support other women who have been through it. So they feel comfortable talking about it, and a lot of them have have gone through and talked about it frequently enough to where it doesn't always bring up that immense emotion as it did in the beginning.
2: Very interesting to know.
0: Shakira, I think you asked all the question that I was going to ask. So she responded really well. Um now Sarah, do you do any any work with males who may have been subject to abuse in any way?
1: So the I've primarily worked with women who have been abused or with veterans with PTSD. So that that would be like combat veterans, so it's not in the same the same kind of PTSD. I I really haven't worked as frequently with men, but I do know um, from studies and research that I've done that it is a lot rarer that men come forward um, because on top of the stigma of sexual assault, there's this uh, men have to feel like they're, they feel like that's, that's, that makes them weak. And that's another thing that we've kind of stigmatized in mental health also. So I do feel that it's harder for, we, we, as a society, we've made it harder for men to come forward.
0: Now, do you feel that in, in recent years, uh, these movements, uh, I think you mentioned Me Too, um, what um, how big do you think that has been in terms of allowing women and to, to feel that they can come forward?
1: I think it's been massive in, in giving women the validation that they need to, to speak what's happened to them and to come forward and speak their own truth.
0: Right. Um And have you, have you seen a a huge increase in the amount of people who feel confident in coming forward?
1: Um I, I don't know the specific numbers on it, but I know there, there have been a lot of studies that show that we are trending in that direction. So as um when the me too movement started more women came forward and now we've kind of created this platform for more women to speak in general so we're seeing that on the rise and and doing it more frequently uh right after it happens too so instead of just waiting and then speaking about something that might have happened to you 20 30 years ago uh, women who experience this now come forward right away because they know the importance of that
0: Um, One of the things that uh, we did a podcast uh, a week or two ago, um, and we talked with another uh, professor um, with regards to sexuality and uh, the effects of pornography on society. And one of the things we talked about was uh, the increasing influence on pornography on how men treat women uh, or how you know, people treat each other. And uh, One of the things we talked about was the objectification of uh, the, the individual. Um, is that something that, is that an area that, that anybody in your sphere has studied or looked at?
1: Uh, I know that a lot of people have, that this, this is very commonly studied. It's not something that I study often, so I don't really know too much in depth about the effects of pornography per se on how this has increased or or if it has had a relationship at all with um, the rise of sexual assault on women. I have had lots of conversations with other people in academia about the object, objectification of women in pornography. Um, but in those conversations it's very it's uh, very subjective to what people believe and what their, their views in the world are.
0: Pat, would you like to pop in and say something?
2: What affects PTSD? And Sarah, have you noticed that uh, PTSD have affected many women that, um, in the work field or the workforce? Have you had any studies or statistics on women who, who are working women who are professionals and are dealing with uh, PTSD through their lives? And if so, how, how often do you see that?
1: Any exact statistics on this um, but I do know that in more male-dominated fields this is happening more often so you get fields like law enforcement or in the I guess the military is still kind of considered law enforcement or in more um, engineering departments so anything that's predominantly male you're gonna see this more often And because sexual harassment has such, um, there's a difference between assault and harassment, but because it's such a wide spectrum of things, uh, there are a lot more women trying to come forward. It is still difficult, though, for women to come forward in the workplace. They're now putting themselves in a spotlight where um, as much as we want to preach that this is not going to hurt their career or their job in any way, there's no security in that, really. So, yeah. um, that's still the struggle there.
2: Yeah. So I, I noticed that a lot of times, uh, women who are working women, professional women, they, they tend to kind of not talk about the subject because of what you said, you know, fear of retaliation, fear of the unknown and no security, you know, are we going to keep our jobs? Are they going to, um, are we going to, they get rid of us or or fire us for for reporting anything. And so it becomes very difficult. So I think that when we talk about PTSD, we also talk about how do you take back your power? How do you say, I wanna take back what was taken away from me and how how do you take that back? What What are the things you would tell someone who just went through PTSD and is recovering or have recovered but always goes back to those flashbacks of that experience?
1: I would tell them to speak up and speak out, talk about it. Uh, um, surround yourself with other women who have gone through this, who have been through this, join support groups. Um, try to, to power through the embarrassment and the stigma that, that we've kind of created here. Um, like you were saying with, with the workforce, because there is no security, like, there are laws in place that prevent specific retaliation for firing somebody for um, accusing someone of a sexual assault or for reporting sexual assault or harassment but that doesn't protect them from getting fired for other reasons. It also doesn't protect them from any other kind of retaliation at the job. So now they could be like shunned in the workplace. It makes it really difficult to where they want to leave. Um, So we see that a lot as well. But if I, I would suggest to women that if you don't, if you don't speak up regardless of how hard it is, it's not going to stop. This is going to continue happening. So speaking your truth and making this situation known, bringing it to light is the most important thing you can do. So it prevents it from from happening to other women.
2: Absolutely. Did you want to share anything else, Shakira, with what you think? um, Someone who's experienced PTSD, one of the tools or a few tools that they can take back their power? Um, I want to know what's one way that you, like, we do sessions, and we have one of our sessions. We do PTSD, Taking Back Your Power. So, what would be like one way that we would be able to connect with them, seeing that you're saying that you know people are guarded and they don't really want to share? So, what is one way that we could connect with the client and somehow and get them to open up and share with us?
1: So, listen. Um, make it a safe split space so that nothing is discussed outside the group, which I'm sure you do anyway. But really, just being an ear and and giving the ability and and the comfort to open up and talk about it. And I would recommend whoever, whoever is leading the group or whomever is leading the group, if they've experienced something open with their own trauma, because stating your truth and giving and, and opening with your experience could allow somebody else to be like, yeah, I went through that too. Or I feel that too. And kind of normalize it a little bit. Like if you, if someone who's already been through it and is willing to share speaks about their feelings and their emotions and their struggle through this, it validates on automatically what other women are feeling if they're feeling similar things, which very often they are.
0: Thank you. Now, Sarah, for, for people who may be listening to this podcast, uh, I'm thinking men um, who may be asking Themselves. What do you mean by embarrassment and stigma, and why would somebody blame themselves for something that happened to them? Can you maybe speak a little bit about that, so that so that people who may not understand what you're talking about or have a a full can can ascertain that feeling? Um, can you maybe speak about that?
1: Yeah. So the stigma that we've created comes from a, a lot of victim blaming. Um, and for, for many, many years, whenever assaults would happen, or if it was brought to the court, it was, what was she wearing? What did she do? So it was a lot of putting the blame on the victim. And because of that, and because we've done that for so long in our society, this becomes embarrassing for the person and, and feels guilty for the person thinking I did something to deserve this, or I did something wrong and brought this on myself when they didn't. Um, you can walk down the street naked, and nobody has the right to rape you so um so that has created this this embarrassment and this shame and this guilt that victims so often feel after after the assaults happen
0: so basically um, we 're we're trying to reduce the the instances and build up the realization that if something does happen uh the the first thing a person shouldn't do is blame themselves
2: um, i think I, i'm sorry i think um also sarah one of the things that is is great when we're talking about ptsd is that you you mentioned just talk about it keep on talking you know uh keep on sharing and even Just um, someone sharing with another person allows them to be able to open up, right, In, 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 in in a way because someone else is sharing. So it's very important that when we talk about PTSD, that person who experienced the PTSD shares with others their experience because those are the people that they're reaching out to that will one day share with others as well and feel more comfortable. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, that's that's exactly what how this, these conversations get started. So, I mean, there's been such a negative stigma and connotation on mental health in general. So, starting the conversation and be, and having it normalized and talked about more is going to help promote other people to want to speak out and to get the help that they need, and to start moving the trauma.
2: Absolutely. And do you think with all the things that we're going through nowadays, you know, they they are, you know, the jobs, professions, the changes, the opportunities for women, um, just all the changes that we're going through in in the atmosphere, COVID and all this, do you think that that restricts people to kind of speak out and to find their way to getting services for these uh, symptoms, the sexual abuse that they're going through and they've gone through in the past? about?
1: I think that the social climate we have right now definitely makes it harder. It doesn't help. <laughs> it's not helping us. Um, having that camaraderie with other people, I mean, Zoom calls are great. <laughs> this what is this Ring Central. These are wonderful for connecting to, to people that you might not be able to see all the time, but there is still something important about being in person and and having that kind of experience when you're trying to work through trauma and covid is making that very difficult absolutely
2: i agree i agree and and you never know that person may have experienced that going outside of their home right maybe they're receiving that experience or that abuse at home um or that those flashbacks or whatever it is and going out helps them you know progressively get better and things like that so i think that these topics are so so much important for uh individuals to hear because a lot of times if, if they're not able to experience that connection with the individual they at least can find ways and tools where they could take back their power like say you know i was i, I wasn't your person well, it was not my fault you know sometimes it takes someone to realize after a few years or or of therapy and assistance to say, it wasn't my, 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 my fault. It wasn't my, um, what I did. It wasn't that I caused it. You know, I was, you know, the victim of this. And so now you start developing ways to say, I'm going to take back my voice. You know, I, I was silent for so many years. I did not express how I felt. So now I want to take my voice. So that's one way to say, I'm going to take that tool back the voice that I did not have. I I could not speak at the time, or no one was listening to me. And another way is saying, I'm gonna take my relationship back. I'm gonna build a healthy relationship because now I understand that that was something that happened, but now I'm not going to um, not see my partner victimizing me, but to say, I'm going to have a good relationship. I feel that I deserve a relationship and move forward because a lot of times these experiences with sexual abuse um restricts you from moving forward to a, a healthy range so that's a way of saying i'm going to take my, my power my, my power is saying i'm gonna engage myself in a relationship where i'm going to now say i'm gonna you know allow myself to open up to loving and caring and trusting again uh what do you think about um the people that are experiencing that taking back their power, like what are the tools you think someone could be able to use other than their voice and uh, the opportunity to say, I want a healthy relationship. Would you like to add something on that?
1: Yeah. So um, there are a couple things I I wanted to to note on um, from what you just said. So I do think that, you know, being in person is really important. I also think that depending on, where you are at in your journey towards recovering from this um, it matters for what kind of treatment you're seeking. So maybe someone who, who experienced a really, really violent trauma might not feel comfortable leaving their house. So this has shown us that the, the whole social climate that we're in right now has shown us that we can provide treatment while somebody is in their home if they don't feel comfortable leaving. So it's given us that also. Um, but as you said, if your abuser is somebody in your home with you, how are you? How are you going to seek treatment? So uh, you can't talk about this while they're in the other room. That could be a, that could put you in a dangerous or potentially dangerous situation. Um, so it really depends on where you're at in your journey for uh, whatever level of treatment or, or kind of treatment you're trying to seek. Um, as you said, for for taking back your power and for moving on to, to future relationships you have to heal yourself first. And, um, that's something that, that I had to do that. I know a lot of other women who have had to do, you have to go through the process of healing yourself before you can move on and start another relationship with somebody else. You you need that self love first. So the only thing I would really add to what you said, because you you talked a lot about it and everything was, was really wonderful that, that you already touched on was really prioritize self-care and know your limits know your expectations um learn to be assertive with yourself and and with other people so if there's something that you're not willing to do or that you're not willing to talk about acknowledge that in you and be strong and draw that line um yeah
0: now can i can i ask sarah um in terms of sexual assault um Sorry, in terms of sexual assault, what it's important that we we make sure that people understand that this is a broad concept. um, In order for people to understand that they may have been sexually assaulted, even though it's um, one end of the spectrum compared to the other, you know, somebody could be violently raped, but somebody can also be. innuendos thrown at them in work and, you know, maybe touched. So how do we teach people what sexual assault is at both both ends of the spectrum?
1: So I want to specify the difference between sexual harassment and sexual assault because this is a spectrum um, where... There are, are implications at your workplace, and then legal implications um, for things like rape. So, any time any sexual act or any act that is non-consent, any sexual non-consensual act um, qualifies as sexual assault. So, this would be any fondling or touching or penetration or forced sex. So, uh, the, the whole spectrum there. But there is also sexual harassment that you might experience at the workforce, which would be your innuendos and your your sexual jokes, um, things that are what, what has been called locker room talk, um, which are not acceptable in the workplace, but have been, I guess, accepted or ignored for so long that this is a culture we're trying to move away
2: from.
0: I think uh, when you look at media, um, you know, there, there have been uh, instances where like guys like uh, Harvey Weinstein has been uh, taken to task and is now subsequently in jail. Um, that's obviously a, a great thing in terms of pr- promoting women's rights and women's uh, right to justice. But then there are other things in the media uh like uh, Donald Trump caught on tape talking about grabbing women by the, you know what? Um, that I suppose that gives gives us a, women in uh, particular a, a confusion of you know what to what, what is the right thing to do? Do I pursue this or do I see, as you mentioned, locker room banter, and it's just the way it is? So I would say that. The media has a, an important role in taking a firm line and, you know, promoting justice and a, a level of, uh, you know, correct behaviour. But but it doesn't do that all of the time, does it?
1: No, no. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Unfortunately, our media is super polarised right now, and we don't um, we don't really get the correct information that we need and justice isn't always served and but that has always been um (laughs) justice has never always been served properly and correctly so and we do see that with the harvey weinsteins versus the donald trump's which which people are protected and which people are are um taken to to jail for their criminal activity um I do think the media has a responsibility to act on anything that is sexual assault or even sexual harassment and make women's voices heard. I do think they have a responsibility to do that and to listen and to have that conversation. If they're throwing it away as locker room talk then less women are going to be willing to speak up and speak out because they don't think there's anything wrong with it because now we're portraying it as oh it's just they're just having fun. But If it makes, if as a woman or as anybody, if it makes you uncomfortable, it's not right. So if you feel uncomfortable, you should speak up about it. Whether it's somebody brushing your shoulder as you walk by or touching your lower back as you're walking out of the door or saying a a crude joke at work, if it makes you uncomfortable, you should speak up about it.
0: Um, How important to you, Sarah, Pat and Shakira, I'm going to ask this question to all, all three of you. How important is it that we now have our first ever uh, woman uh, vice president in the making? Um, Shakira, what do you think of that? <laughs>
2: Um, it's very important to me, especially because she's a Black woman, so I, get, I automatically have that connection right there. But I'm happy that there is a woman in the house, period, because I think a lot of things are going to change, and a lot of changes are going to be made. Pot? Um, I think this is our year, uh, in general, for changes, and I think that changes is not always comfortable. Um, it moves you to find a lot of uh, challenges in the way but it also allows you to um, challenge yourself to move away from things that you would would not normally do. So I think this is the year that all of us, all women in general of all color, all nations, all backgrounds will stand up and say, I have a voice Um, and I wasn't heard before, but now I feel that I can express myself. And so I think this is the year for change. And like I said, even though change is not always necessarily comfortable, It's a change that we all are going through. And I believe that I'm going through as well to move forward and to voice myself and be a better person or be a better woman, uh, a better individual in general.
0: Sarah.
1: So, yeah, it's, this is incredible. And I, I I watched her first speech with my daughter and we both sat there in tears as we watched this, this monumental moment in history. Um, I do think that this is, a very an incredibly large important step for women. Um, little girls, uh, little uh, women of color are now watching where somebody who looks like me is in the White House, and that is just a phenomenal step. We're giving all these little children voices and and the realization that you can do this, you can strive to achieve this goal. Well. Which is not only a place for white men anymore or for men in general anymore. Now. We can work at the highest level of government, and that is incredibly important for giving women voices everywhere. And I do think that the nation is about to go through a massive change again, which, I, in my opinion, is a, is much needed. Um, but I do think we're also um, going to go through some. There's there's a lot of healing that needs to be done um, throughout the the women women of color, um, the the nation in general.
0: I think, um, you know, f- from a, a man's point of view, I think what you all three said is 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 fantastic. But I, I think, it, as far as I'm concerned, it should be the expectation. It shouldn't be something that is given to women. We're all human beings. We should all have the right to be on a level playing field. So uh, my hope and prayer is that that happens very soon. Now, is there anybody else? Sorry, Pat, I've got you on mute. Uh, mute. Sorry. On your go.
2: Uh, I was going to say, it is, it for you, a, a wonderful man that we've met and worked with, um, you you know that um, and you feel that we all should be treated equally. But unfortunately, for centuries, it has not happened. And I know that there's a saying that in front of a strong man, there is a strong woman behind him. Um, we've been behind closed doors for many, many, many years many years. And now we are the ones at the door. So this door will open for all of us and we're ready to come out blasting, And we're going to show you more than what we've been allowed to show that we can do. Uh, we can take a household, we can take, we can handle what uh, is put in our hand and more. It's just, we were never given that opportunity. And I think that now we, we were able to do that. But um I appreciate uh, this topic because um, the women that were be- behind closed doors and may still be are the women that want to be at the door and want to recover from PTSD and want to say, you know, I-, I may have PTSD, but I want to move on from this. I may not fully recover, you know, for from these, you know, uh, experiences that I-, I-, I did not choose to have. But it's always good to tell everyone that we speak to and that may be hearing this podcast is that. We may not have control of the past, but we have control of the future. We may not have control of what our emotions are and our experiences that we did not ask to have, but we have control of what emotions and what we can do today to make that difference. And even though we may carry the scars in our bodies to say, this is my story, we can only say, this is the story, but it's not my story today. So I tell everyone that will listen to this podcast that even though we may experience post-traumatic stress disorder and sexual abuse, um, and that's very, very horrible to talk about and to even say that you went through, we can say today I have a voice and that that's just my scar, but it's not my today's story. It's something else that I will talk about today. And that's a positive thing that I would encourage everyone is to know that today we have a voice And we didn't have that before, so I'm very excited for
0: that. Very eloquently said, Pat. Thank you very much. Um, Does anybody else, Shakira, do you want to add anything to that? No, Sarah, Sarah, I'm I'm going to give our special guest, Sarah, the final word if she would like to take the floor, virtual floor, that is, of course. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was beautifully put by Pat um to, in moving forward. I also think that it is incredible that we put a woman in the White House a hundred years after we had the right to vote. So right. I think that was an incredible feat too. Fantastic. <laughs> so I would just say to any women out there who are experiencing PTSD or are suffering through a sexual assault or harassment, speak up, speak out and let the healing begin.
0: Thank you very much, Sarah, for taking time out to join us. Uh, We really appreciate it. We hope you have a a great rest of the day. Um, Shakira, thank you for joining us. And Pat also, uh, this is HVCS signing off. Take care of yourselves. Bye for now.